0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, February the 9th, 2024. It is currently 2.02 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where it is like 70 degrees and people in the neighborhood think it's time to start, I don't know, mowing their yard. I I don't know why. Why Why do you want to do yard work? I don't know why, but they're out there doing it. So if you hear all kinds of noise in the background, it's because everyone in the neighborhood is like, hey, let's all go cut our grass at the same time. Let's go do yard work right now. So they've got I, they've got every kind of, I don't know what they're, what they're doing out there. So if you hear anything in the background, unfortunately, well, I can't do anything about it. I guess I could go outside and say, hey, guys, guys, hey, everyone come down here. Hey, you see that window up there? That's my studio. You see down here? You're making too much noise for me. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't think they would really care. They would probably tell me. You know what? You probably need to go work on your own yard. It looks like, it looks like trash. And I'll be like, okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm going to go broadcast. So I'm going to go broadcast because I may be horrible at yard work. I'm much better at theology. All right. Does, does that does not negate how bad I am at yard work? It's not that I'm bad at yard work. I just have no desire to engage in yard work, right? If it was up to me, all grass would be burnt and and then everything would be better, right? Because then you wouldn't have to ever mow it, right? Okay, all right, but I digress. Are you ready? Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you realize this, but we are currently involved in a 21-day sermons 2.0 app sermon challenge. Well, I mean, you've got an entire year of that, but we have a specific specific 21-day challenge, and that 21-day challenge is you're supposed to be using the Sermons 2.0 app right now, and you're supposed to be using it to listen to sermons on the Minor Prophets. You're supposed to be going one minor prophet per day. Now, I have not been doing as many reviews as I thought I would possibly be doing, but I never said, I mean, ultimately I gave you the challenge. So you're supposed to be grabbing the Sermons 2.0 app and you're supposed to be looking for random sermons on the minor prophets. You could just type in minor prophets and choose a random one with just the title minor prophets. You could spe- specifically you know, choose sermons on specific books of the minor prophets. You could do that. What you're supposed to do, as though you're supposed to be ignoring the name of the church, the denomination, or anything along those lines, still trying to maintain making them as random as possible. Now, we have done a little bit of review of the podcast Discover the Word as they're spending their time three, basically three weeks in the Minor Prophets. And so we we listen to their overview. Then we listen to them spend 10 very quick minutes in the book of Hosea I'm talking 10 very brief minutes in the book of Hosea. And primarily our takeaway from the book of Hosea is this. Israel was committing spiritual adultery. Israel was unfaithful to God. And we take from that that you and I, we can be very unfaithful to God. We can commit spiritual adultery. Every other kind of adultery gets all the attention. You never hear, the church mention spiritual adultery, but we obviously do not in any way, shape, or form treat it as seriously as the Bible seems to treat it. Bible seems to treat spiritual idolatry or spiritual adultery as an extreme, extremely serious sin. I mean, it really, really bothers God. And if we're honest with ourselves, we are perpetually, perpetually guilty of spiritual adultery because we're constantly putting other things before God. We're constantly demonstrate our unfaithfulness to God, but we don't feel guilty about that. We don't feel guilty, it seems, in any way, shape, or form. I know if you hear a sermon on it, you may be like, wow, I need to be more faithful to God, but we, we it's just so weird how spiritual adultery never gets the it never gets the attention, right? It's like people are like, hey, I've never committed physical adultery. Well, congratulations. But you've perpetually committed spiritual adultery. Do you care about that? Why do we not care about that? And so we we that's kind of the basic takeaway we've taken from the book of Hosea. So, I know I should be moving on to another book in, you know, in the minor prophets, but we're going to kind of go back and well, I'm going to do a I don't know how much of a review we're going to do because the sermon I have in front of me, well, it doesn't look like it's that long. Maybe we can finish it in one episode. I know that's that's probably not true, but this is a sermon on Hosea chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 11, and this is from Gregory A. Miller, Gregory A. Miller, it's just called Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 and you should be able to find it i think they they have a musical intro and everything they 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 have this there's really professionally set up and i really like their the way I, it's set up i've at least listened to the beginning just to hear if the volume was okay i think the volume is okay um but as you know i haven't listened to the sermon at all so i have no direct i have no idea where this is going to go we never know where it's going to go and remember the whole idea of these sermon reviews It's very simple. It's very straightforward. The idea is you're sitting down with me. You have your Bible. You have your notebook. You have your pencil. And we listen to the sermon together. And we listen. We stop. We discuss it. We listen, we stop, we discuss it. We listen, we stop, and we discuss it. We, we consider issues about hermeneutics, Bible interpretation, theological positions, preaching in general. And we, we, we typically have a lot. Uh, I, I, I love the sermon reviews. I, it's one of my favorite things to do. I remember when I first started broadcasting, when I very first started broadcasting, I was like, how could I do a sermon review? And then the only way it was like, well, I would have to take a sermon and then cut it up into like little parts, right? So then I would record my part, then insert the part of the sermon, then record my part. then And it's like, it was going to take, I'm like, there's no way. I, that's that's a horrible way of doing it. So I, I didn't like that because I didn't have just the equipment and, and the ability to pull it all off or the technical expertise. But now technology over the last many years have made it so much easier. So now we can. So are you ready? Let's do this. The book of Hosea. Just sit back, listen, enjoy. If you can't take notes, that's perfectly okay. Just relax. Hopefully, I will say something that will be beneficial. Hopefully, the sermon we are going to review, hopefully it's going to be beneficial. Sometimes the sermon we're reviewing isn't beneficial, but we find a way to make it beneficial. Sometimes the sermon is far more beneficial than anything I could say. The bottom line is, hopefully, no matter what happens, you are the one who benefits the most from it. So, here we go.
0: Enjoy. Welcome to Bible Believers Fellowship in the ministry of BBFOhio.com as we begin our study of the book of Hosea, the first book in the Minor Prophets. We will cover all 11 verses of Hosea chapter 1 in this study. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, send those by email to BBFOhio at ProtonMail.com. Or mail your letter along with any check or money order contributions to support this ministry to Bible Believers Fellowship, P.O. Box 662, Worthington, Ohio, 43085. Donations can also be made at bbfohio.com using the PayPal donation button. We now begin our study in the book of Hosea, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This is part 1. Of two the, uh, Earth Day, I I kind of like the way they do that. They they
1: their intro is specific to the series they're getting ready to do. I like that. The music sounds really good. Well, very well produced. I I really like that. I don't know if I'm willing to put forth that much effort <laughs> to do that. Our sermons don't have a, a an intro in front of it. It doesn't have an intro. Now the reason why is well we live we live stream. Now I guess I I guess I could play. Like I could play the intro for the live, yeah. Because our live stream is immediately uploaded. I guess if I didn't immediately upload it, then I could insert a a an intro before. I I don't know. Now what? The only reason sometimes I'm much more skeptical about intros is uh, many of the podcast apps are starting to have, create a feature where you can skip intros, and so. Um, if, if the podcast apps are going to allow you to start skipping the intros, then how much work do you want to put forth in your intro, right? How much work do you want to put? Now, of course, they're, they're, probably pro- they're primarily probably broadcasting on Sermon Audio, which doesn't have a feature to skip the intro. So um, it may m- make more sense. And they can throw in all of the donation information right there. So, you know, it's probably better to put it at the beginning than putting it at the end, because as soon as the sermon is over, if you have an outro, no one's going to listen to the outro. They're going to stop listening. So if you're going to do any donation stuff, you have to do it at the beginning. So, all right, that's, that's interesting. I Look, from a broadcasting perspective, I always like listening to the different approaches people take and how they put their content online, and I always try to learn from it. But All right, here we go
0: is what we're talking about it's not about the creator or his will for creation that's the big problem with it we got a speech from the pope scolding everybody for polluting and despoiling the planet okay wait a minute
1: i cl- i clicked on the. R- i think I, cl- I wait did i click on the r- i'm gonna back that up what just happened Okay, I'm going to start that over. I'm, we're going to have to hear the intro again. That was weird. It's like it skipped, and I'm like, wait, what is playing right now? Okay, let, let's let's listen to all of that again. All right, here we go.
0: Welcome to Bible Believers Fellowship in the ministry of BBFOhio.com as we begin our study of the book of Hosea, the first book in the Minor Prophets. We will cover all 11 verses of Hosea chapter 1 in this study. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, send those by email to bbfohio at protonmail.com or mail your letter along with any check or money order contributions to support this ministry to Bible Believers Fellowship, P.O. Box 662, Worthington, Ohio 43085. Donations can also be made at bbfohio.com using the PayPal donation button. We now begin our study in the book of Hosea, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This is part 1 of 2. uh, Earth Day is what we're talking about. It's not about the Creator or His will for creation. That's the big problem with it. We got a speech from the Pope scolding everybody for polluting and despoiling the planet. And I mentioned the loudest environmentalists are actually doing more to destroy the planet than anyone.
1: Okay, that's a weird way to start. So we're going to start on about Earth Day. We're going to start about Earth Day um, and that the Pope was scolding everyone. (laughs) Was was the Pope scolding everyone on Earth Day because he's complaining about pollution? Uh, let, Let me just make it very clear. To scold everyone, well, he would have to then have everyone in front of him, and then you would have no choice but listen to listen to be scolded. You're not being scolded <laughs> unless you go listen to him or read what he said, okay? So that's kind of an odd thing, all right? Uh uh, yeah, yeah, that was the beginning. I think this is the beginning. So yeah, th- th- this is an interesting in- interesting approach that th- this is. So let me just make it very clear. Uh, so so many times I, I hear this, like I'll just, I, now I don't want us to get too distracted, but I, I, I hear this sometimes. I'm so sick of Taylor Swift being shoved down our throats. And usually you'll read that as, uh, under a comment, under a news article about Taylor Swift. And so what you'll say is, Why did you click on the article? (laughs) Why did you click on the article? No one's making you listen to her. Well, I'm trying to watch football. And they showed her up in the the box for like, you know, 10 seconds. And it ruined my whole football game. Uh, The football game was like three and a half hours long. You saw Taylor Swift, maybe a total of five minutes. I think you will be okay. I think you will be okay. I think you will be okay. The Pope scolded everyone. Not unless you went and found what the Pope had to say. <laughs> now You sit there and you're reading it. You're like, I'm being scolded. All you had to do was stop reading. <laughs> like, the Pope didn't show up at your house. Hello? This is the Pope. I want you to know you're ruining the environment and I'm scolding you. Okay, like, Even then you could just shut the door and say, get off my yard. Okay. Right. Like I don't, the Pope was scolding everyone. Okay. All right. All right. We're here about Hosea. This is an interesting beginning here. So he's obviously, he doesn't like Earth Day because Earth Day has people scolding you about, or the Pope scolding you about the environment. This is a weird way to start Hosea. All right, here we go.
0: And uh, that's why at the end of the tribulation period, and it says, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged. And who's he coming after? And should us destroy them which destroy the earth? And you just think about that. That the Christians are gone. And they accuse Christians and conservatives and farmers and people like that when the reality is uh, these people who are, they project. That's the thing you find with these people. They They project what they accuse you of doing, they are doing. You'll see that over and over.
1: Okay, so in the tribulation, the people will be destroyed who destroyed the earth, and that's the liberals. And they accuse conservatives of destroying the earth, but they are projecting. So, do you think Christians ever project when we accuse and condemn other people? Okay, all right. And how would you know they're projecting? I mean, I like I like you're going to accuse them of being the ones who destroy the earth and that conservatives don't destroy the earth. Exactly how are you measuring this accusation? Are you measuring this accusation because Maybe some of, the, I mean, what is the Pope doing to destroy the earth? Is it because, uh, like, or is he, what? <laughs> I, I don't know exactly how you're met. You're destroying the earth. No, you're destroying the earth. No, you're destroying the earth. No, you destroy the earth more than I destroy the earth. No, you destroy the earth. Like, I don't know what this has to do with Hosea, but okay. And and then the tribulation, like, I'd have to go look at that verse. Okay, but I don't want to see. Now, my mind tells me, go look up that verse in Revelation. Let's try to figure out exactly what they, I want to go do that, but see that would take us away from the book of Hosea. But see, this is why. Okay, this is a, this is just a very important rule, and I and I am not saying this rule to anyone else other than myself. I am speaking this to myself. This is why in preaching, you have to really be very aware of what you're saying. Because you can say one thing that literally pulls people out of the sermon and then they are thinking about what you just said. If you don't want everyone sitting there thinking about Revelation and who destroyed the earth and they're going to be destroyed for destroying the earth and Earth Day and liberals and conservatives, if you don't want people thinking about that during your sermon you probably should not state it because in my mind, you've already pulled me out of Hosea. I'm not thinking of Hosea right now. I'm thinking, where is that verse in Revelation? And what exactly were they doing to destroy the earth? And are they being destroyed because they destroyed the earth? Or are they being destroyed? Like I've got questions. So now my mind, now what I would try to do, what I would try to do. Now, this is for those of you listening to sermons. Whenever a preacher does that, please, I beg of you, I beg of you, Just take a pencil and write it in your notes. Don't go look it up. Don't go chase that rabbit. Just you, and then you can go look at it when you get home. Please don't, even though it's the preacher's fault, please ignore the preacher's attempt to get you away from the subject. Allow him to say, because obviously something had happened and this is strong on his mind. Now, maybe he's going to use this to, to, to set up Hosea. I don't know. But let me make it very clear. Preachers make mistakes because we're humans, right? We say stupid things. We, we throw in things we shouldn't throw in. We start using an illustration that ultimately has nothing to do with the sermon. We make a million mistakes in our preaching, teaching, and presentation. What you, hopefully you can resist our failures. And then what you can do is like, okay, okay, uh, look up a verse, and you can just write quickly in your note, look up a verse in Revelation about those who destroy the earth will be destroyed. All right, figure that out. And then and then just leave and then just leave it. And then immediately just set your pencil back down, look back up and say, okay, I'm ready for Hosea, I'm ready for Hosea, I'm ready for Hosea. If you will do that, one, you'll get more from sermons and hopefully you'll leave church less frustrated. Okay, so just a thought. All right, here we go.
0: So, uh, Earth Day, which is just a front for environmentalism, it's about atheistic socialism, and it's about control. Um, it's, this is the example of an environmentalist and the kind of stories they put out there all the time.
1: Okay, I'm trying to help him out. I'm trying. I'm trying my best to help him out. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to keep us focused on Hosea. All right. So, it's about atheistic socialism, and it's about control. I mean, he clearly has a political axe to grind here, a political axe to grind, okay? Because if I have a neighbor who's atheistic, an environmentalist, who wants to recycle and do all the things they want to do to try to save the planet, I really don't have too many problems with them. Now, I can understand that some policies they could, they could try to vote for policies that you may feel is detrimental to an industry and to companies. But then you have to ask yourself, do you, do you support the company, the industry, or would you support trying to maintain things that protect the earth? Like, where, where is your focus? Capitalism? Money? Money? Or sacrifice in order to better preserve the earth. Now you could argue, will these ideas that may require sacrifice actually help the earth? We could have that discussion. Now you see what's happening. You see what's happening. See, we're we're not we're nowhere near uh, Hosea. All right, we're gonna we're gonna. He's got to get this to Hosea. He's got to get this to Hosea. I am going to hold out hope that this is his introduction to the book of Hosea. Because whenever I re- read Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, my thinking is always Earth Day environmentalism, right? So let's see if he can get us there. Uh, yeah, I'm using a little bit of sarcasm.
0: The headline what, is, Capitalism is Destroying the Earth. We need a new human right for future generations. Folks, it's in places like China that is communist that they do more damage to the environment than anywhere else. And uh, you just keep your eye on that. They all fall into this category of Romans one twenty five, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. These Earth Day gatherings do not glorify God. They totally forget the Creator and in a lot of ways mock the Creator. And they... And they're worshiping the creation. That's what it, when it says worship. Now you see what's happening.
1: Now he's got the crowd fired up. Now people from the pulpit or from the pews are saying things. Now people from the pews are, are want. Now now they're fired up. So now now he's got the people fired up, but they're fired up about. Everything other than Hosea right now. Now, I've done this exact same thing. Look, I am not judging. I am not criticizing. I am not judging. I have made this same strategic mistake where I'm like, I for some reason, I heard something on the way to church or there's something. And then I, I just feel like I have to get it off my chest before I get to the sermon. And then the next thing you know, you realize you're losing control. Now everyone's got something to say and you're like, oh, what have I done? what have i done now sometimes what i immediately realize you know what forget the sermon we're just going to talk about this we're just, this is what we're going to do tonight we're just going to talk about this and then i just change everything uh, I, I i because almost without fail i know if i don't no one's going to remember the sermon they're going to remember this, this they're they're all fired up now about earth earth day oh, oh my goodness these these atheists are out there trying to worship the the earth and creation instead of god yeah, and 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 they're they're bothered okay all right no, for whatever reason, they're greatly bothered by it. All right, let's see. He's he's got he's got he's got to get control over this. He's got to get control over this. He's got to. He's got to. He's got to make it through Hebrews or Hebrews. Hosea chapter one verses one through eleven. He's got eleven verses and he's got twenty six minutes to do it. So he he obviously is going to wrap this up any second. Here
0: we go. Worshiped and served the creature, but it's just they worship. Creation itself, including the animals, they put it's like they worship that instead of God. Yeah. And how about this? The Earth Day co founder. I've mentioned this before, but a lot of people forget that the Earth Day co founder named Ira Einhorn killed and composted his girlfriend. And uh, go read Romans 1 18 to 32 to figure out why. Um, that's him down the corner attending the first Earth Day event at Fairmount Park in Philadelphia, April twenty second, 1970. Um, yeah, it was like, uh, let me see, October, November, December, January, March, April. I think it's 7. Okay, now, we got to be careful
1: here. Uh, Ira Einhorn, I think that's how you say the name, who I guess was very instrumental. See, now I'm getting ready to look up something about this person. Okay, let's say Ira Einhorn was, and and I'm almost positive, was guilty of murder of 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 some sort. Let's just say that's the case. If someone who's involved in a movement does something horrible, does that then negate the movement or the belief system? If someone, let's say, is a follower of the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but murders a man because he's trying to cover up his adultery, does that destroy the worship of that true God? What if someone who's a follower of the true God offers up his daughters to a to all the men of the city so that they can engage in physical relations with his daughters. What if that man later on gets drunk and has actual physical relations with his daughters and produce children and an incestuous relationship? Does that destroy the worship of that true God? What if one of the followers of that true God has 700 wives and 300 concubines? Are, Are you getting the idea? Because someone does something horrible, a part of a movement, does that negate the movement? If someone does something horrible, does that negate what they believe in? You can care about the earth, but you're still a sinner. You can care about God and you're still a sinner you got to be careful with that argument. Oh, and he, did you hear the gasp in the audio? Oh, oh he killed his, his girl. He did that? Oh, well, you know how many professing Christians have committed horrible acts? Now, of course, the way Christians get around it is anyone who commits a horrible act, we just throw them out of the kingdom of God and say that they're not a believer. Now, you see what's happening. happening now. We have now 25 minutes and we have yet to get anywhere to Hosea chapter one in fact I had to pull up an article on Ira Einhorn it's spelled E-I-N-H-O-R-N now um, I think he's known as the unicorn killer oh and he was an environmental activist and he was uh, convicted of murdering his ex-girlfriend you see what has happened now so I, I like okay this is obviously going to fit into Hosea chapter one now okay let's just see what happens let's Just us see what happens
0: seven months old <laughs> and there he is being escorted by the police having killed his girlfriend her name was Helen Maddox she broke up with Einhorn after five years of being together he threatened to throw her belongings into the street if she didn't come and get them So she went to Einhorn's apartment to retrieve them on September 9th, 1977. I was just getting ready to turn eight years old. But was never seen again. And uh, uh, after she went missing, uh, Einhorn told police that she had gone out to a co-op to buy tofu and sprouts and never came back. Eighteen months later, searched his apartment after neighbors complained that a reddish-brown, foul-smelling liquid was leaking from the ceiling directly below Einhorn's bedroom closet. In the closet, police found Maddox's beaten and partially mummified body stuffed into a trunk that had also been packed with styrofoam, air fresheners, and newspapers. That's one of the co-founders. and People say, you can't paint a... You know, everybody, like, just because of him. Now I'm telling you, it's all throughout that environmentalist.
1: Oh, so he's saying it's all through the environmentalist movement. All right, here's what I would challenge you to do. Look, I, look he's, if he's going to make these claims, if he's going to make these claims, then, ladies and gentlemen, we should test this claim. I would like you to, I don't know, do a little research and find out how many environmentalists are killing their girlfriends is Is there a high propensity for environmentalists to kill people i don 't know is it what what is the crime right there and then what like it's just this is such a I, look i don 't know what this this is nothing to do with hosea so i don 't know why this is the way this sermon is beginning oh this this is this is maddening that he only has now twenty four minutes to get through eleven verses of Hosea. I could not get through eleven verses of Hosea. In six months. I don't know how he's going to do this in 24 minutes. But now he's giving this shocking detail. But understand the the way he his argument is being developed. This is this is very much a we can look at this as almost a, lo, a logical fallacy. But here's what he's doing. Here's this person who is an environmentalist, and because this environmentalist did this horrible thing, then all environmentalists are bad. Well, but not by that logic. All Christians are adulterers. All Christians are murderers. All Christians are polygamists. All Christians, and think of everything a professing Christian has ever done in the history of Christianity, and then therefore you would then throw out the entire movement. That is not the way you, that's not a logical, rational way of approaching this. And I don't know what this has to do with the book of Hosea. All right, but let's continue. Let's continue. All right, oh, this when we review these sermons and we choose them at random, we never know what we're going to find.
0: Movement. And Romans 1, 18 to 32, explains why. 1 John 5, 19 also tells us, and we know, some Christians don't seem to know this. I have to debate with them. But it says, when we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. We've got to get rid of this idea that god is wrong and that the world's generally speaking a good place um people are killed every year because they think that way now i don't run around and look at everybody and think everybody's a killer or anything crazy like that but uh there's just no reason to put yourself in a situation where you have to trust people like that and you that's why we teach what's called defensive driving why not everybody out there drives like a devil, but too many do. So you...
1: <sighs> okay, all right. So yeah, the, the, the world is made up of, of bad people, and those bad people are in the church and outside the church. Hey, le- let, let, me, let me throw you some statistics, right? Let me throw you some statistics about how many children do you think have been sexually molested inside or by, inside a church or by church workers youth youth workers nursery workers you you just name it look look up the numbers In fact, in some cases, it's argued that you're more likely, your children are in more danger in going to church of being sexually molested than they are going to a public school or going anywhere else. But we're we're always, so if you're going to have this mentality, hey, just don't trust people. Well, then why should anyone trust the church? Like I, 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 I think I think we we seem to forget this. Like this is not the way I want to. I wanted this to be about Hosea. This is not going about Hosea. All right. Hang on, hang on. I'm I'm gonna be. I'm I'm, I'm doing a search here. Hang on, give me a. Okay, uh, I'm 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 doing a search here. Okay, uh, here is. Hang on, here we go. There's article, lots of articles about this. Uh, Two, uh, well, just if we go with Catholic priests, two hundred sixteen thousand children were abused by Catholic priests between nineteen fifty and twenty twenty. All right. So, um, and if we go to other church uh, employees, the number is three hundred and thirty thousand children have been abused just in the Catholic Church. Just in the Catholic Church, three hundred and thirty thousand. And then if we get into all the other different churches, there's been because over and over and over and over and over again, we find uh, you know, there's been a uh, there's been reports about sexual abuse and sexual issues in the Southern Baptist Convention. There was a big report about ch- uh, people being sexually abused or and things happening to them in independent fundamental Baptist churches. This is this is cross denominational lines. So then by that argument, hey, then But his argument is the people out there are bad, but we're all the good people. And well, no, we're just like them. We're sinners. All right. I don't know what this has to do with Hosea. He now has 23 minutes to go from Hosea chapter one, verses one through 11. At some point, he has to transition. At some point, he has to transition, right? But it's weird because all of his introduction is about those people, those people. Hosea is about
0: God's people. better drive defensively. And uh, that means to watch for people crossing the yellow line, going left to center, or when you go through a red light, don't take for granted it's clear. Look, see if anybody's coming. That sort of thing. Even when you're in the grocery store, Jenny was telling me you should have assured clear distance today. (laughs) So with that, we get into our expository study of Hosea. We're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1. Right after we open with the word of prayer, Father, we thank you for this uh, opportunity to share the word of God online, and this will go out on the internet and uh, possibly on radio. And we just pray you help us to keep the uh, the uh, recording equipment functioning without the help that we normally have. More than anything, it's so that we can get the word of God out to those who hunger for your word. We want to be faithful to preach the word instant in season, out of season. And that's why we're here. We just pray it's pleasing to you and that with your help, we can get the job accomplished. It's such a joy to study your book and we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Okay. He now has given himself less than 22 minutes. He's now given himself less than 22 minutes to cover 11 verses in Hosea chapter 1. Oh, this should be interesting. Here we
0: go. So we're going to be in Hosea 1, verse 1 is where we start, and it's the first book in what's called the Minor Prophets. We've studied Daniel uh, just in the 14, almost 15 years we've been here at BBF. We've gone through Daniel twice. And um, uh, there's a reason why I went ahead and went through it a second time. won't get into that. But um, right after Daniel, you have the minor prophets, beginning with Hosea. And they're not minor in importance. Uh, and Hosea is actually longer than Daniel in, uh, in size. But generally speaking, they are shorter books. Um, so that must—that's evidently the reason they're called minor prophets. Uh, the uh, in the Jewish Bible they never called them that. And um, I just—I've thought about it. What else would you call them if you wanted to group them together? And uh, so, as long as you understand that they're minor prophets, ma- mainly because of the size, as they say.
1: If you remember our introduction when we reviewed uh, Discover the Word. They're called the twelve. So if he doesn't know what else to call them, they're called the twelve. And I think that's e- even within Judaism. So all right, that's, that's why you have to read and research so many different things because then you learn so many different things. But okay, all right. So all right, yeah, I would call them the twelve if you don't know what else to call them. But the minor prophets works as well. All right, here we go. Uh,
0: the exception proves the rule, and Hosea is the one exception. And they involve major information in minor form for the most part. You'll see that as you go through these. Now, as some of you have read through your Bibles, if you're like me, I remember the first few times I went through the Minor Prophets, I just read it, but I didn't get much of it. But it's great because later that familiarity with it helped me when I really studied these books. Uh, Peter Ruckman has a commentary on the Minor Prophets. And uh, he says this the so called minor prophets constitute some of the most neglected books of the Bible in the modern church age, and there are no critical or exegetical commentaries on these prophets that are faithful to the authorized text. End quote.
1: Oh, wow. He just cited Peter Ruckman. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> And he said that there's no commentary that is faithful to the authorized text okay Peter Ruckman Peter Ruckman is the how how could we say this he is uh he is King James only on steroids he is King James only on crack. He is King James only. He takes the King James only movement and goes to a far, 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 far extreme. There used to be a time if you were in the independent fundamental Baptist circle that sometimes you would be, are you a Ruckmanite? Are you a Ruckmanite? Are you a follower of Peter Ruckman? Peter Ruckman has some crazy beliefs. He he was he was very influential in some circles of the of the uh independent fundamental baptist world. I I don't perceive him. I mean, I don't think I've heard Peter Ruckman's name in I don't even know how many years. But that is crazy. He just cited Peter Ruckman and saying that there are no commentaries faithful to the authorized version, meaning then who do you need for a commentary on well, the book of Hosea? Well, you would need Peter Ruckman. because anything that's not faithful to the authorized version in that world then should not be read or considered, which then puts you in a very, well, circular, who's right, we're right. And who do I listen to? Only us, because we're only right. So it becomes a major cultic, a very cult-like. All right. So now we're down to about 19 minutes. We still have not even got into the text yet. Here we go.
0: And there's, there's two points is the problem is the reason why they're neglected by most churches because most churches don't really teach the books of the Bible. They don't go through books of the Bible. So, the-
1: Okay, now remember we talked about this when we listened to the Discover the Word, that anytime someone preaches the minor prophets, they start with the same tired almost marketing campaign. Nobody studies the minor prophets. Nobody goes through books. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you have the sermon audio app, there's about a million sermons where people have go through the books of the Bible. And trust me, I don't, I have not counted. Um, I will have to look, but if you probably try to do all of the searching and see how many shows up, you are probably thousands Thousands, I I would probably argue multiple thousands of sermons on the Sermons 2.0 app alone dealing with the Minor Prophets. So I know, I look, I, I used to say these same types of things when I would preach. I would be like, you know, nobody does this. Nobody does this. Now, there's plenty of things I do that I think I can be dogmatic, uh, assert that nobody does it the way I do so, or not many. But the idea that no one teaches on the minor prophets, give me a break. I mean, look, discover the word. They're going through the minor prophets. I may disagree in how quickly they go through it. The, I, I, how many different uh, life way. Their their curriculum. We've. I think we we. Uh, they have gone through the minor prophets, or, or at least either as a group or individual books. There's there's curriculum. There's commentaries. There's study guides. There's sermon after sermon after. You can find hundreds of thousands of sermons on the minor prophets online. So I I, I, I know we have to always sell everything and we always got to say, hey, 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 nobody else is studying this. So that's why we're doing it. I, I think the minor prophets are probably studying. Now, now, do they get the attention other books have? Well, probably not. Probably not. But everyone sitting in the pew thinking, well, man, nobody studies the minor prophets. The question should be, do you? And if you haven't, don't blame anybody else because you've owned a Bible and you, you could have studied the minor prophets at any point in time in your Christian life. Anything you don't know as a Christian, is because well, you chose not to pursue knowledge, right? So, all right, but let's see, okay, where he's going to go. Oh, so, with this, oh, all right, I'm trying to maintain focus here, but this is becoming very <laughs> difficult. All right, here we go. I can't, we're at 53 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to get through this. All right, here we go very
0: few churches that even go through the books of the Bible. And then some men, um, because of point number two made by Dr. Ruckman there, there are no critical or exegetical commentaries that are faithful to the authorized text on the book of Hosea. And so men have felt ill equipped, I think, to get into them. And sometimes it's just because they're not as exciting. um, you know, And a lot of preachers don't like to get into it because they don't talk a lot about tithing and church attendance (laughs) but um, as we said jose is the first of these minor prophets
1: i i don't know of a preacher who has ever avoided the minor prophets because they were worried about a passage about tithing or anything related to church attendance most would probably look at the discussion about tithing and the minor prophets as being for the nation of israel (laughs) Like, I can't, oh no, this mission's tithing. I can't, I can't preach it. I, and I, I don't think that that's, a, I don't think that's in. I, I don't think that's, I don't think people have ever been afraid to teach the minor prophets because of of, of a couple of verses about tithing or church attendance.
0: I, 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 I yeah, I, all right. And then comes Joel. And uh, unless something changes, we'll just keep going through these books. After Joel is Amos. Uh, Obadiah, Jonah, and then Micah. And then comes Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Can you go back there and make sure I... No, I see the red light. I'm sorry, I'm being a little paranoid now. Don't have my buddy Johnny back there to keep an eye on my camera. But I see the red light on, so we're good. Uh, This is uh, something that I wanted to share also from J. Vernon McGee. He says, they dealt with the fact, talking about the Minor Prophets, that God's people had broken the law of God, the Ten Commandments. This necessarily puts an emphasis on works, good works. For this reason, the liberals and the promoters of the social gospel have used the Minor Prophets a great deal. Unfortunately, they have missed the main message of these prophets, in
1: <laughs> Now, right there just shows you, wait, no, wait, I thought nobody g- touches the minor prophets. Well, then you got a quote from Jay Vernon You saying, well, the liberals use them all the time. Well, that means somebody's using them all the time. So, do people use them or do they not use them? Well, they use them. All right, all right so the liberals use them all the time. Okay, so now we're going now... J. Vernon McGee, when he's referring liberal, he's he's referring to theological liberals, not political liberals. Now, theological liberalism may be more in line with political liberal. We could get into a whole discussion there, but okay, I just want to get to Hosea. I just want to get to Hosea. He now has less than 18 minutes left, less than 18 minutes. We have yet to even get anywhere near the book yet.
0: And J. Vernon McGee was... Uh, I think he kind of came up on on the uh, whole uh, fundamentalist, modernist controversy. If you know anything about Christian history, you ought to know about that. And what happened was about the time, uh, sometime in the uh, 18th century, in German uh, German, uh, seminaries, they started teaching stuff called higher criticism, and they were ripping apart the Hebrew and Greek texts, and then that then meant they would turn around and attack the German Luther Bible and uh, the King James Bible. And then along came uh, Westcott and Hort, and they put some of that into uh, effect when they came out with the revised version in 1881. Okay,
1: this is going right down the line of KJV-onlyism. Um, I'm don't. i not saying it's to the Ruckmanite uh, position yet. If you know anything about KJV-onlyism, it, it, yeah, that's where he's going. All right. I just want the book of Hosea. I just want the book of Hosea. Whoever picked this message, I blame you. I I so am not happy with you right now. Whoever picked this message, now the reality is I picked it, but I'm going to blame anyone and everyone else I come in contact with for the next 72. I'm just going to look at people going, if I, if I have to go out today to get food and I go through the drive-thru window, I'm just going to look at the person at the drive-thru window. That sermon you picked in Hosea, what was you, what were you thinking? And then I'm just going to drive away. And then they're going to be like, what just happened? And then wherever I go, wherever. If I would go outside to check my mailbox and I see one of my neighbors, I'm like, that sermon in Hosea, what were you thinking? And I'm just going to walk away. All right, here we go.
0: And every Bible Since 1880, 1881, that has come out, every major translation, I'll put it that way, has come from a corrupted text. That text is based on Codex Vaticanus. If you want your Bible to come from the Pope and his library, the Codex Vatican, then just use one of these new versions.
1: All right, so it's the basic idea that all Bibles, other than the King James, are all corrupted. So the only true Bible is the King James. All right, so we can get into that whole discussion, how much of that is accurate, how much of it is really not good history. All right, but again we're supposed to be listening to the book of Hosea.
0: And uh, what happened was it, it not only affected the Bible, obviously, that they're using, but it also bled into their doctrine. And they stopped believing the Bible. They started thinking the Bible was full of errors because there's thirty some thousand changes between the uh, King James and the Revised New Testaments. Now, please note: now the argument is, if you
1: use another Bible, you you believe the Bible contains error. That is not true. There's plenty of people who use other Bibles who still believe the Bible is the infallible and errant Word of God. But please note that the the did you see the little game played there? If other Bibles differ from the King James, they're wrong because the King James is now the standard. See now, the King James is now why Oh, oh! If the if any Bible differs from the King James, they're they're just are automatically declared wrong because you've now made the, the King James the argument. And so what they, what they gets into is, see, that basically there should be no textual variance. The reason there should be no textual variance is we should just find a certain stream of manuscripts and in any other manuscripts we throw out. So then you don't have to worry about textual variants, right? Because only the manuscripts that are behind the King James. That's it. Those are no other manuscript. If we find another manuscript today, it doesn't matter unless it agrees with the King James. The King James ultimately becomes the standard in which every manuscript and every Bible is judged, making the King James then really... The inerrant, infallible word. Not the original manuscripts. The King James, really, especially in Ruckmanite, if you follow Peter Ruckman, literally the King James, it, it's, it's actually superior to the manuscripts. That's all, oh, maybe that's not completely, hundred. I, I want to be as fair as I could be, but that's basically where you end up logically. So again, we're, we're nowhere near the book of
0: Hosea. And so people lose their faith in the Bible. And they start to think that the Bible is just a corrupted book and then that leads to not believing that you really have to go by anything in the Bible and that's called liberalism. Liberals then adopted the theory of relativity just like they did in um, secular sciences. They brought it into morality and they started teaching the um, situation ethics and all that sort of thing. And so then they emphasized instead of the gospel, they, out of pride... Started emphasizing man, keeping the golden rule, doing good. Now, the theory of relativity
1: composes two irrelated physical theories by Albert Einstein special relativity, rel- relativity and general relativity. I, 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 I don't know, is he, is he talking, referring to philosophical relativism? I, I don't know where, I don't know where that just went. Okay. All right. But there's plenty of people who use other Bibles who reject relative, relativism. All right. Not, maybe, not the theory, maybe not the theory of relativity, but they, they deny physical, they, they, they argue against philosophical relativism. All right. Okay. So, all right. I'm, I'm trying to follow.
0: Why? Well, Paul explains that in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Any man should boast. So anytime you get involved in any of these cults, um, like Mormonism and the Masonic Lodge or whatever, but also when you get involved with any liberal church, it's all about works. It's all about boasting, pride, having your name on plaques and things so people can see it.
1: That never happens in conservative churches. <laughs> it's never about works in conservative churches. <laughs> okay. All right, I, that's a news flash, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, only liberal churches are concerned about works. Cons, uh, conservative churches are never concerned about works and plaques and and and. Never. That's only that's only a liberal thing. What in the world? I've been in conservative churches my whole life that are as works-based as works-based can be. Ever heard of Lordship Salvation, which is very works-based, which is predominantly not going to be found in liberal churches.
0: And so what Jay Vernon McGee is pointing out that liberals went into these books that are under the Mosaic Law that are pointing out the wickedness of the israelites but pointing them towards doing good and doing what's right and they capitalize on particular passages to promote their liberal theology but if you do what we're doing number one we start with belief in the book and as we go verse by verse we learn the whole message of the book then you can't come out a liberal and you won't agree with the liberals when they teach Hosea was sent to prophesy to the northern kingdom of Israel nearly 200 years after Solomon. Spelling is bad tonight, but um, this is a basic chart. Those of you who know your Old Testament history should know, Saul was appointed king, replaced by David. David then uh, died and Solomon, his son, became king. That takes you from about... 1050 B.C. down to about 930 B.C. or 931 there about. Then uh, Rehoboam became king in the southern kingdom. And Jeroboam became king when the uh, kingdom split. Jeroboam became king in the north. Now in the north it was the majority of tribes. In the south, you had Judah and the Levites were there because they stayed with the temple and everything. Then you had Benjamin um, as part of that tribe or that southern kingdom as well. But all the other tribes, and really Benjamin, they count with the north, even though some of Benjamin stayed down there. And so that's where you get the term 10 lost tribes because um, that, if you follow this chart, where it says north on the right, right-hand side facing the chart, Jeroboam was the first king, but then there was a second Jeroboam, and he was a wicked, wicked king. And um, the wickedness of the north ended up with the Assyrian captivity in 721 B.C. And that's what Hosea is dealing with. He's dealing with the reign of Jeroboam leading up to the destruction of, in the Assyrian captivity in 721, and he's warning them. God's going to use Hosea to be one of the mouthpieces to warn the kingdom of the north. Now, uh, another 140 years later, or let me see if I am do my math right. Yeah, it's about 140 years later, the, the south will be overrun by Nebuchadnezzar, and taken captive, and that's Daniel. Uh, the book of Daniel takes place during that time, and and all that happens. and So those are the kings we'll see listed there in just a minute. Uh, here in Hosea 1.1, 1, 1, and I'll go back to that chart just so we can see what we're reading. But read Hosea 1 verse 1 with me. The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Biri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, King of Israel. So when you look at the list there in verse 1, God gives us the list of the kings in the south so that we can have an idea of when this took place. But uh, the final reference is in the days of Jeroboam, the uh, the son of Joash, king of Israel. And that's who Hosea is speaking to. Israel is the northern kingdom uh, that will go in captivity first. Now, Dr. Floyd Nolan Jones has given us an amazing bird's-eye view in his book. It's titled The Chronology of the Old Testament. Now, some of you might want to get this. I'm going to ask Jenny to come and um, take this from me and hold it down there so you can see it a little better, like she was holding her grandson's picture earlier. And Floyd... Floyd Nolan Jones um, is a Bible believer who wrote this uh, chronology of the Old Testament.
1: And, and then just for those of you who are not used to this kind of world, this kind of world, the Peter Ruckman Knight, a certain independent fundamental Baptist world, please believe or, or please understand that when he says Bible believer, this is what happens. is like you're only supposed to read commentaries from those they deem a Bible believer. You're only supposed to use Bible resource materials that they deem were put together by Bible believers. So if they deem it, that's not a Bible believer, you're not supposed to use those reference tools. You're not supposed to look at them. You're not supposed to read them because they are not written by Bible believers. So therefore you're, 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 resource pull becomes limited smaller and smaller and smaller because you can only use the approved resources from this approved list because anyone outside of that is not a Bible believer. So anything written by a non-Bible believer, you can be like, I don't agree with that. Don't agree with that. I only agree with things written by the Bible believers, and then they get to tell you who the Bible believer is. I, and I, I I lived in this world and very familiar with it. I'll never forget when I was reading a commentary by James Montgomery Boyce from 10th Presbyterian Church on First John. And you've got that famous passage in First John that some will say proves the Trinity. Well, in the King James, it seems to be very Trinitarian. But if you read it in other translations, some of those verses are not even there because in those manuscripts, it's not there. So he has a long discussion about the manuscript argument and who added and, and what the problem is. And I was a relatively you know, new Christian still. And I read it. So I went to my pastor was like, hey, what about this? And he was like, well, who wrote this? And he, and, he, and he was like, and then he just tossed it, said, I don't read garbage. No, no, I need you to read the garbage and explain to me how his discussion of the history of the manuscripts is incorrect. You know what? Didn't matter. Wasn't going to even try to engage it because it didn't agree with their approved list. Which then, that, if that's not cultic, I don't know what is. We should read things that even disagrees with our positions, because that's how we are challenged. I know we're over an hour, but I got to finish this, because I definitely don't want to come back to this.
0: And it comes with a CD, and I'll show you what, one of the things that's on that CD. It's empty. I, I took the CD out. But... Uh, There's a CD on it that you put pop in your computer, and it's well worth the money. When was this preached? Who has a
1: computer with a CD-ROM? Who who has? Do do you have a computer that still has a CD-ROM? Who? Okay, all right. Well, I, this must have been preached in, like, I don't know, nineteen nineties something I don't know. I it's Maybe early 2000s? Okay, all right.
0: If you've got the money to buy books, if you have a library, that book should be in your library. And we are going to get another copy for the church library and um, at some point soon. But this is what the charts look like. They're very basic. Um And I know you can't see it. That's why I'm going to show you this in a minute. But but, uh, on the CD, though, you can put that on your computer, and then you can zoom in and uh, everything. Well, I took a few minutes to make this. This is based on Floyd Nolan Jones' work. I don't want to take credit for anything except for the mistakes. And on this chart, hopefully you can see that better, you see the top... Um, list of kings, Jeroboam 2, Zechariah, and then sideways is Shalom because he was only there for a year. Then Menahem, and then there was a Pekahiah who was only there for a couple of years, and then another Pekahiah that was there longer. And so uh, that's why they're, they look the way they do there. And in the middle, the gray with the yellow numbers, that gives you the years, and these are um, the The dates that Floyd Nolan Jones comes up with in his work, and I've read it, and I'm pretty well convinced, and I believe uh, uh, others like uh, Dr. Ruckman and and others that uh, I know recommend his work are pretty convinced as well uh, of his dates. But I just want to warn you that if you look at these dates on this chart and you go out there and do your own internet research, you'll see that there are several different claims made for the dates. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'll try to actually when we edit, I'll put it in the video too. But uh, I'll you you'll remind me to do that, and uh, I'll try to remember to put these charts online at the website. But in red, you see the ministry of Hosea, so you can see that he came toward the end of Jeroboam 2's reign, and it was during Uzziah's reign in the south, and. Um, That gives you an idea of when all of this took place. Now, uh, there's one of the things you're going to learn, just like uh, if you read history, how many, where we talked, I can't remember why we talked about this Sunday, but we have John's and Jenny's in duplicates. And uh, growing up, there was always more than one Greg, and that's why Fudge, the nickname, stuck. Because, We're about the apostles yeah, there's more than one po- apostle. Okay, I'm,
1: I, I'm assuming what he's trying to say is that any other dates other than the dates he gives are incorrect. All right, so that's fine. That's fine. I don't, I don't know how dogmatic what I always tend to do when I give dates. It's like some sources say this, some sources say this. Now, I do understand that dating can be significant. Why? Because if you date them something, let's say something, you date something being written after Babylonian captivity or after Assyrian captivity. Well, I mean, Assyrian captivity never technically ended, but let's say after Babylonian captivity. If it's written after, but it seems to provide a prophecy of it happening, one could argue, well, of course they wrote it as a prophecy that was going to happen because they wrote it after the fact. So dating can have impacts on prophetic material. But sometimes it's just a matter of, well, it could have been this date or this date, but both of them are before the, the captivity. So it doesn't really impact something. We only want to consider, wait, we want we, we want all of the different ideas about dating, but we only really want to get worried is when the dating is changes everything. In many cases it's just maybe sometimes just a few years difference or just maybe a 10 year difference. Or it's sometimes it doesn't have profound impact. If we find it to have profound impact, then we deal with that. But then we want to know, why do other people have different dates? Now, we can't just say, well, they're wrong because they're wrong. Well, we have to have some reason. You can't just say, well, this book says this date, and this date is right, and that date's wrong. That just makes you the the, the one deciding which is right and which is wrong, based off maybe your limited number or your limited knowledge of ancient biblical history
0: named Judas and uh, and so throughout the Bible you have to learn that and uh, while it may seem a little confusing I know that most people are able to learn the names of relatives when they're the same the names of people in characters in television shows and movies and video games so it shouldn't be too much to ask to put a little effort into learning these names in the Bible. And remember when you're reading, your King James Bible doesn't call him Jeroboam 2. <laughs> so maybe out, when you're reading it, out in the margin, just make a little line and put the number 2. And, you, and remind you that it's the second one. And he was a really bad guy. Evil, wicked king. And he was in the north. So remember that as we continue on. He's considered one of the worst kings of Israel um there's some bad ones ahab was really bad with jezebel um one of the bad ones was manasseh but then he repented and and made things right toward the end of his life then you got guys like asa who did really great until the end and then uh, he just got something he just turned cold toward the lord and then josiah was great right up to the very end we mentioned that sunday The
1: Wait, so there was someone who did great with God and then turned cold against God at the end? That mm, probably destroys the entire belief in Christianity because someone who was a Christian or someone who believed in God did something bad. I mean, that was the way, that was the the logical argument he was using at the beginning about Earth Day. So then apply it to this. But I, I guess we're not going, to, I mean, Israel. How many times did Israel fail God? I guess I should destroy the belief in God, right? Okay, all right, I, uh. We're trying to finish this.
0: Didn't consult the Lord and went out to fight the Pharaoh and in Egypt and got killed. So with that, we continue. Verse 2, read that with me. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. Now, um... It's kind of obvious that there's a real problem here. He uses the word whoredoms three times in one verse. And uh, God is telling Hosea to take a wife who, as a whore, symbolizes apostate Israel. Now, that's quite a statement to be making. And, but that is also what the last days end times church is uh, a figure, or symbolized by um, the horror of Babylon. And uh, spiritual whoredom is a, a horrible thing. And uh, God just uses things that take place in life, in the world, to paint pictures, word pictures. And if any of you have ever uh, had somebody you love... Uh, commit adultery on you, or maybe you just have known someone who went through that. Then you understand how ugly that sin is, and uh, it can it infects a society, and it infects it, it. It actually, the spouse can be infected by disease as a result of it. It splits homes. It produces children that society calls unwanted, so they kill them. Um, Then a lot of them, even if they're born, they're not raised by two parents, and many times the one parent that does raise them is still a whore, and so it produces some pretty bad effects on society at large as a result. And so that's why God uses this whoredom and is going to use Hosea's wife, who is a whore, to paint the picture of Israel spiritually. Now, this commandment is not for anyone else but Hosea. Amen. This is where being a dispensationalist—it's <laughs> very important. Uh, it's like we said, uh, everyone's a dispensationalist if they—if they're honest. No one's out there except for Ken Ham. No one else is building a, an ark, um, and it's because we're not told to do that. Noah was. Amen. Well, in the same way, um, I say this because I actually know somebody who was uh, trying to uh, marry a girl that was a um, well-known... I'm trying to use a word that's not ugly for that, but uh, a whore. I mean, it's (laughs) promiscuous. She was promiscuous. That's the word they use these days. And uh, when approached... He said, "Well, if if God wanted Hosea to do that, see, he thought that Hosea was missionary dating, and that's not what this is about. Hosea is not told to marry this whore so that he can missionary date, (laughs) like most people. That's why this study is so important, because most people don't study and they don't really see what, and also." This is an example as to why it's not good practice to just open your Bible and point to a verse. Amen. God, show me your will. Take thee a wife of whoredoms. <laughs> Don't do, that. do not try that at home. It's funny that his
1: audience is obviously primarily female and uh, they're the ones doing all the answering. Okay, so just that's been always my. It's always been the same for me. Is that it's it's females who participate in the sermon and and answer and 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 are th- are listening or doing something. And sometimes it's the men who don't. So I, I don't. That's I'm not saying there's never men, but I'm just in his case the only person answering there is, is, is a female who's obviously very much into this. Now, I mean everything he's saying is true. I mean clearly they he is using this example. Hey, go and, and marry this woman. Remember, we asked the question was she already engaged in whoredoms or was she going to be? There's some debate about that. But ultimately, she was going to be unfaithful. And, the, and and God said, do this because it's going to serve as a picture. Now, he he spent a lot of time talking about the how horrible physical adultery is and all the damage it does. And okay, absolutely no one should deny that. But let's not forget the picture here, once again, what I think always gets overlooked is this is pointing to spiritual adultery. For those who have never committed physical adultery or have even been tempted or even put in a position, congratulations, wonderful. The question is, have you committed spiritual adultery and do you feel the same guilt and shame as you would in committing physical adultery? That that sometimes gets missed here.
0: There's some men that I respect who say they did that at some point in their life. There's well, you can say that. You can say it's wrong to do that all you want, but that's what I did, and God used it. Well, in spite of that, not because of that. And uh, that's just nowhere in the Bible are we told to do that. That's the equivalent of casting lots. You might as well just play the slots out on Hilltop when they open the casino back up. Because it's about as biblical as that. So, However, we are in such times today as uh, Hosea is. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, right at the very beginning there, verse 1 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. That's what we're living for. If, that, if you live with that in mind every day, all day, thinking about Jesus coming back, it will improve your life. That's Preach a sermon. The key to successful Christian living is right there. Verse 2 says, Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And I'll say this: we're going to keep preaching the word, even though most Christians—if you look on YouTube—the people who get the most likes and and have the biggest crowds aren't the expository Bible teachers, because most Christians are spiritual infants and they desire milk all the time.
1: Okay, there we go. I apologize for hitting (laughs) something else. Wow. Isn't it amazing that most Christians don't like expository preaching? Most Christians don't like it. Was this expository preaching? Was this expository preaching? We spent 29 minutes and 29 seconds. Well, we spent over an hour. Was that expository preaching? Do we really know what expository preaching is? Because so many times I'll hear, "Oh, I go to a church that preaches, ex- you know, expository preaching, verse by verse." And you go listen to him, like, what, "What was verse by verse about that? What was that? That was not. I don't know what that was." Now, maybe in the next part, he will emphasize spiritual adultery over physical, I, I, I because to me, that's the part that always gets overlooked. Everyone looks at the physical adultery. Yeah, okay, there's plenty of people guilty of that, but the spiritual adultery gets everybody. When are we ever going to be that bothered by it? But okay, all right, I don't know what to say. The Sermons 2.0 App Challenge is going to present us with opportunities at times to hear something from a world that you may never have been in. You may may have never been in a world where there is, you hear something referenced by Peter Ruckman. You may never be in a world that is that KJV only. You may never be. The good thing is you just was exposed to it to a certain degree, and I don't know what to tell you other than that I. I, I don't know that there, there we really got. Yeah. So I'll just stop there. I don't know what else to say. I, I don't have anything great. I, I can't grab onto something here and go, let's do something with it. But there, there we go. You can email me <laughs> news. I F at yahoo.com. That's news. I F at yahoo.com. Um, there we go. That was the random sermon that I chose for Hosea and you can see sometimes we're going to get something and and look I'm not even there to I'm not even there to criticize it go go listen to the rest of it all right that's uh, Gregory A Miller on his uh, series on the book of Hosea go listen to all of it by all means learn their perspective learn 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 everything that they have to say i'm not in any way criticizing it i just i i just have a different perspective i don't necessarily classify that as expository preaching or maybe it's a form of expository preaching that i I don't know what that is, but there you have it. Um, there we go. I hope, I hope we, have, hmm, I f- I'm very frustrated because I wanted it to be much more beneficial than that. But you know what? That, that's, that's always going to be the risk. When I do, because I do my sermon reviews the way I do them, I don't listen to it first. Because if I would have listened to that first, I would never have done it for a sermon review, right? But then, or I would have used it to try to point out something negative. I don't want that because that comes rehearsed and I don't want it to be rehearsed. It's supposed to be let's listen to this sermon together and let's see what we find. And whatever we get is whatever we get. And so, that uh, that's the way I want it to be. And I- even though sometimes it ends in a much more negative way, like this just was very negative. I, I just feel like I I wasn't able to offer you anything, right? I, I don't, I mean, even, even the kind of, he kind of started talking about the dating. He didn't really get into enough of the debating or the dating, I should say. He didn't get enough into the dating debate to really give us something tangible to grab onto. Hey, here's, 10 scholars who believe this is the date, and here are three scholars who believe this is the date, and here's why the dating of the book is so utterly important. He didn't even, uh, he didn't really go there. And then... Oh, and then there we go. There's the end. So I, I don't know what else to do there, but that there, there we go. Okay. Someone gave it someone on Mixler gave it a heart. I don't I don't know what they're hearting because I, I'm not giving it a heart. I'm giving it like what just happened, but there we go. Newsif at News Newsif at yahoo.com. Let me know how your 21 days and the minor prophets is going because clearly mine <laughs> needs some help okay mine needs some help all right there we go. so I don't know. Ted discover the word spent 10 minutes in the book of Hosea this sermon spent 30 minutes in the book of Hosea which one was more productive? That's a good question. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day.
0: God bless.